it is so nice to see y'all. I'm wondering if before we jump into this message, can we just pray together and invite God into this moment? God, I thank you so much for who you are and for opening up your house to us every single Sunday. I thank you that we can come into this place and we can worship you. We can surrender before you. We can release the burdens that we're carrying. But God, we can also lean into your word and we can learn from your scripture. And so God, would you teach us something new today? Would you inspire us? Would you challenge us? And we ask for that in your mighty name. Amen. Amen. Well, one day back when I was in high school in the great old town of Fort Gibson, Oklahoma, I'm from a town of 3,500 people, y'all. Like, that's small. Anyways, side note, I was just hanging out one time um, at home, likely doing homework because I was an overachiever. Are there any other overachievers in the room? just a few of us, but I wanted to always be on top of my studies. And so I would often surround myself with these textbooks and forget to come up for a breather and actually socialize with my friends. But one night the home phone rings and the home phone, because back then I did not have a cell phone. They existed. I'm not that old, but I was not allowed to have one. Um, And so people had to call the home phone or my parents' cell phones in order to get a hold of me. And I answer the phone and it's my friend Anthony calling me and he says, ETA, 15 minutes. And I was like, excuse me, what? what? What's ETA? Like, I had never heard of it before. And he said, matter of factly, estimated time of arrival, 15 minutes. Chasen and I are coming to pick you up. And I was like, pick me up? Like, for what? And he just hangs up the phone. And I'm like, wait, what's happening? And so I had no idea what was happening, but all I knew was my friends, Anthony and Chasen, were on their way to my house to pick me up. And so I had to quickly close up my textbooks. I didn't have time to come up with an excuse of why I couldn't go or why it wasn't a good idea. I talked to my parents. They were my trusted friends and my parents trusted them. That's important. And they were coming to my house to pick me up. And so there was an adventure to be had. And even though I didn't know the destination, I knew in that moment that I just had to get ready. And I was thinking about this story as I was reading the book of Mark earlier this week because there's this moment in Mark, we're about to read it, where four friends go to pick up their other friend when they hear that Jesus is in town. And this friend they picked up might not have got much of a warning either, but there was this adventure to be had and they didn't want this fifth friend to miss out. And so they made sure to pick him up on the way. So my message this morning is called Pick Them Up. Can y'all say pick them up? Okay, let's go to the book of Mark, chapter 2, verses 1 to 12 is where I'm focusing. You could pull out your Bible, read it on the screen, read it on your app, whatever works. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening where? In the roof, y'all, above Jesus, digging through it, and then lowered the mat the man was laying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately, Jesus, because he was God, knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he turns to the paralyzed man and says, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. So what did he do? He got up 
took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. And this amazed everyone. And they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. Now, last week, when we finished our Easter series, we finished with the Great Commission, which is the encouragement to every believer to go and make disciples. See, if you're sitting here in this room today and you call yourself a Christian, you should have this urging in your spirit to tell other people about Jesus. You should have this urging in your spirit to tell other people the good news, the hope of the world. So we should feel that urging. And that's why I want to focus on this story today and maybe take a different angle from ways that maybe you've heard it preached before. And we're going to unpack it because there's a few things that stand out to me. First of all, when I was thinking about these men that carried their friend to Jesus, it says that large numbers of people were gathering to meet him. The crowds were so big, there wasn't even room outside the door. Now imagine this room was so packed that even the foyer and the hallways were packed. People tried to come up the lift, doors open, they can't even get out. Crowds are so big, okay? So the crowds were so big. Everybody had heard of it, uh, about Jesus coming to town. And these four men, now if they were strong enough to carry their man, their friend on a stretcher all the way to Jesus, and if they were strong enough to then take that friend up onto the roof, that tells me that they were probably able-bodied enough to beat those crowds to Jesus if they weren't carrying a stretcher, right? If they were able-bodied enough to get their friend there on a stretcher, if they just left him behind, maybe they could have run in and been front row for Jesus' teaching. Maybe if they had prioritized themselves in the Jesus experience they wanted that day, they would have actually made it in the room, but they didn't think about themselves first and the type of Jesus experience they wanted. They were clearly already believers in Jesus' incredible power and his healing, and so they did the opposite of what so many others did that day. See, they heard Jesus was in town, and they thought to themselves, yo, Our boy, Paralyzed Pete, like that wasn't his name, but let's call him that for the story so we can understand who we're talking about. They were like, Petey boy needs to meet this Jesus guy. And so they didn't rush ahead. They actually remembered their friend in this moment. And Paralyzed Pete, he didn't get a 15-minute warning like I did from Anthony. His friends would have just showed up at his house, knocked on the door, picked the brother up, and went on their way to Jesus, okay? So they've picked this this man up, and the scripture says people had heard Jesus had come home. Now, word would spread fast about Jesus being in town. He was doing everything that the promised Messiah had said was prophesied to do. And so when word spread that he was in town, people flocked to meet him. Now, because word was spreading fast, paralyzed Pete probably heard the word too. But he found himself in a position that prevented him from making his way there on his own. Now imagine being in Pete's position, where he would probably have seen crowds of people running past his window, going to meet this this healer, this Messiah, this Jesus, and he couldn't go until his friends knocked on his door. Now you might have missed this when we read the scripture, but Jesus ends up ministering to paralyze Pete that day because of the faith of his friends. It says Jesus saw their faith, and it was the faith of the friends that led to Pete's forgiveness and healing that day. Now, I don't know about you, but I want friends like that. I want friends like that where where God looks at me and the crew that I've surrounded myself with and goes, wow, look at their faith. 
because of their faith, I'm going to bring you forgiveness and healing today. That's the kind of people I want to surround myself with. And thankfully, over the years, I've been able to find those people. But I'm wondering if you have friends of faith. I'm wondering if you are a friend of faith to others. There's a few things we can learn about these men. And the first is that friends of faith remember you when you feel forgotten. They remember you when you feel forgotten. Now remember, Paralyzed Pete would have been in his place watching these crowds go past his window. And in that moment, he might have felt forgotten. He might have felt forgotten by people because this healer was in town. And he was one who needed healing, but he had no way to get there. But I'm so thankful that Pete had some friends that remembered him. Pete had the type of friends that were willing to delay their own arrival so that they could get him into the room. And thankfully, Pete had some guys in his circle that knew his name and knew his story and knew his struggles. And it doesn't tell us much about their friendship But when I read this, I would like to think that there must have been some deep level of friendship here for them to have such compassion and empathy and unselfishness to remember this friend, to pick him up and to take him there, even if that meant that they were going to get there late. See, I thank God that Paralyzed Pete was not isolated Ivan or shut in Shane or Hermit Hank who just pushed people out. I thank God that Pete was actually willing to have the courage to be vulnerable in front of people and let people know his name and his story and his struggles. He didn't allow his condition to stop a friendship from happening. Have you allowed people to know your name and your story? Have you had the courage to be vulnerable with a few people and actually let them know what you're struggling with? Now, if I'm going to be real frank and honest right now, it is hard for people to remember you if you never allow them to know you. It's hard for people to remember you if you never allow them to know you. How are the friends of faith supposed to know when to pick you up if you don't actually let them know what you're struggling with? See, we actually have to be very intentional. We can't can't complain about feeling forgotten or unknown by people if we haven't made the effort to actually intentionally form a friendship and let people into our world. And the thing is, is, We're not five-year-olds on the playground. Adult friendships are hard work, okay? You know, five-year-olds on the playground, they can walk up to each other, and they can find somebody that they think is cool, and they can be like, hey, I'm Darcy, you want to be my friend? And then all of a sudden, they're best buddies, right? It happens for kids. Unfortunately, doesn't really happen like that for adults. I mean, there was this time many years ago when Anna, you might have seen Anna before, she came up to me after a night service at um, Botany one time, and she just said, hi, I'm Anna, I made you some earrings, and like, we became best buddies, like five-year-olds on a playground. But usually, it is hard work. We have to be intentional. We actually have to make ourselves known to people and take the time to get to know others. But the type of friends you choose, it matters. It really matters, y'all. Because on that day when Jesus was in town, it was the friends of faith who showed up at his door. And when they showed up, they carried him to a place of breakthrough, but very easily it could have been the friends of folly. Remember Lady Folly from Proverbs? Maybe you weren't here. It's friends of foolishness. If the friends of folly had turned up, what would they have turned up with? Probably worldly vices, like alcohol or other substances, and said, this will numb the pain, bro. Or maybe they would have introduced him to a girl and said, she'll distract you for a while. But Pete did not need the pain to be numbed and his heart to be distracted. Pete needed the pain to be healed and his heart to be forgiven. See, in your weakest moments, when you look at the crew that surrounds you, 
will they carry you to a place of breakthrough or a place of further breakdown? Because friends of faith will carry you to a place of breakthrough. They won't allow you to sit in your own camp of misery and watch you simply numb the pain. They are willing to carry you to a place of breakthrough where they can declare over you the power of Jesus' name. And look, I've had the friends of folly before. Probably a lot of us have. And throughout my uni years, you know what the friends of folly do? They lead you to alcohol and weed and clubbing and dating total losers, taking you to a place of further breakdown when what I needed was a place of breakthrough. And at the age of 22, my breakdown led me to cry out to God for the right type of friends. And today I want to actually share with you part of that story. I've taken the time to write my whole testimony in the form of a book that maybe I'll publish one day. But I really felt stirred by God to share with you just this little excerpt from it today. But before I read it, I need you to know that I know exactly what it feels like to be a new person in church. And to walk in on your own feeling terrified. I know exactly what that feels like to come in in the hopes that someone might notice me and help me get connected. But thankfully, back in November of 2012, at a night service at Botany, a girl named Haley Barrett noticed me and invited me to sit with her on the front row, which was terrifying at the time. But her genuine kindness to me gave me the confidence to come back again the next week and the next. So before I read this, I want you to know to never underestimate the power of saying hi to somebody and the power of inviting that somebody to sit with you. The second week I came back to the night service, I scanned the room to find Haley because she was still the only person I knew other than the boy with the bucket who I always noticed bouncing around like an energizer bunny talking to every group of people in the room. That was frosty. (laughs) Haley welcomed me to the front to sit with her again and then offered to connect me with another American after the service. Making connections and new friends in your 20s can be so difficult when many friend groups have been pre-established for years. So was I hesitant to meet more people that might exclude me in the same way the dancers did? Of course. Of course I was scared. Of course I wanted to run and hide. Of course it would be easier to not have the awkward small talk with total strangers. But how could God bring me friends if I wasn't willing to do my part? It was on me to step out and introduce myself, it was on him to lead me to the right people that would embrace me. When the service ended, Haley took me immediately over to a group of friendly faces that were gathered in a relaxed huddle across two rows of chairs. Darcy, this is Clement. He's American too, and he can introduce you to his life group. Clement, this is Darcy, and she's new here. My first thought was, what the heck is a life group? Now we call them small groups. (laughs) But within moments, Haley had disappeared, leaving me with this random group of people, this life group with a token American. Clement could sense my uneasiness in the situation and started to introduce me to all the different people that were gathered around him. We're actually about to go grab some food and watch a movie at the flat. Do you want to come hang with us? Oh, um, I was not expecting such a direct invitation, but forced the words out of my mouth. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. I don't have a car, though. I kind of walked here. No worries, he responded with a smile. You can ride with me and I'll drop you home after the movie. Here I was, trusting strangers yet again, climbing into a car with someone I had only just met, driving to a house I didn't know, sitting on a living room floor with a group of Christians that were all eager to get to know me and my story, laughing over a takeout meal from Wendy's, staying out later than I expected to, but enjoying every moment with this group of people that was doing life together. 
As Clement dropped me home that evening, he turned to me and asked if I walked to church every Sunday, realizing that it was a 30-minute walk as he pulled up to the home where I was living. Yeah, it's okay, though. I don't have a car yet. I really don't mind. Well, I'm going to pick you up next week, okay? He smiled with a genuine invitation offered out of generosity, not out of pity or compulsion. Until you get a car, I'll give you a ride anytime. And he did. For the months that followed, either Clement or someone from that life group would pick me up for church and also take me home. This group of people opened their arms to me as if I were already a part of their family. They welcomed me into their life group meetings midweek that was simply a Bible study in someone's living room. They answered my questions with patience, and trust me, I had a lot of them. They showed me love and spoke life into my heart on the days when I was feeling most defeated. They invited me on weekend road trips to beaches all across the North Island of New Zealand. They took me camping at the northernmost tip of the country, Cape Renga. To put it simply, they included me. They never made me feel like an outsider. They didn't say I was unofficially a part of the group. They didn't look at me through the lens of competition or comparison. What they did was embrace me, flaws and all. They embraced the hot mess from Oklahoma who was trying to figure out life and purpose. They embraced the solo traveler as if she were a permanent resident. They embraced a stranger in the same way Jesus would. This group of people showed me how to love like Jesus loves. This small group of friends made up of several Kiwis, an American boy and a girl from Singapore, were the type of friends I had asked God for the night I cried out in desperation to him. They were my answer to prayer. And knowing them, I was able to change my limited perspective of the people of New Zealand. Through their friendship, I discovered New Zealand through their eyes as we winded through roads with the windows rolled down, breathing in the salty air of summer. We ate countless orders of fish and chips wrapped up in white paper soaked with grease. We dove into the waves of the cold New Zealand waters and laid in the warmth of the sun as music drifted out of a Bluetooth speaker. We sailed alongside a herd of dolphins out in the open sea. We climbed to the top of a volcano on Rangitoto Island. We dug out a hole in the sand on hot water beach as the hot springs filled our shallow pool with warmth. We ran across the scalding black sand of the west coast. We wandered through regional parks on the east coast. We laughed, we cried, we talked. We talked a lot about Jesus and a lot about life. This group of friends probably didn't realize that Jesus was using them to save me. They probably didn't realize how our conversations on these road trips were starting to shape the path of my future. They probably didn't realize that without them coming into my life when they did, I could have ended up further down that black hole of ambition, pride, and worldly desires. This life group became my saving grace. My answer to prayer was really God's instrument to pull me closer into the fabrics of his plans for me. It was this small group in 2012 that carried me to my breakthrough in 2013. They took the time to literally pick me up and get to know me and my story. They took a genuine interest in who I was, but they also had the grace to call out who I could truly be. They weren't deterred by my mess. And these four friends of paralyzed Pete were not deterred by his condition. They put him on a stretcher. They picked him up and they carried him to the place where Jesus was preaching. They weren't deterred by the crowds when they got there. They said, let's get onto the roof. They crawled up onto the roof. They weren't deterred by the roof. They dug through it, making a hole big enough to fit their friend through. And although they shared the burden of his weight for a moment. They knew that they were only meant to carry it for a moment. They knew that they needed to fully surrender their friend to Jesus 
And that's when they lowered their friend down to the feet of Jesus. See, friends of faith will help to position you for a life of freedom. They'll help to position you for a life of freedom. When paralyzed Pete found himself at the feet of Jesus, he was all of a sudden in a position for breakthrough. All of a sudden, he was in the perfect position to experience a life of freedom. And two things happened in this moment. First, he found forgiveness, which was an internal healing of the heart that had eternal impact. But secondly, he found healing of his body, which was external and visible with an earthly impact. But he found that how? Because of the faith of his friends. His friends. Y'all need to hear this. Who you build friendships with, it matters. Who you start a relationship with, it matters. Who you choose to marry, it matters. Who you choose to have in your corner in this life, it matters. Because when you find yourself in a paralyzed condition, and I'm not talking physically, you might all of a sudden find yourself with a paralyzing mentality or a paralyzing circumstance at work or a paralyzing sinful habit that you just can't break, in those moments, where will the people closest to you carry you? Will they carry you to a place of breakthrough or to a place of further breakdown? Will they help position you for a life of freedom or just help you numb the pain and distract you for a while? When you look at your friends, if you can't call your friends friends of faith, I suggest finding some new friends. Friends that care about you, not in this, just this earthly life, but also you in eternal life. And if you need friends of faith, then you 100% need to get into a small group. Why? So that somebody in this church can know you by name. So that somebody in this church family can invite you into the family. So that somebody in this church can take the time to get to know your story. There are friends of faith in this room that would love to embrace you, but you have to do the brave thing to make yourself known. It takes bravery to actually go into the guest lounge by yourself and say, hey, I'm new here. I just wanted to introduce myself. That's exactly what I did back in 2012. Guess who the second person I met at church was in the guest lounge? Frosty married that guy. Here we go. Go to the guest lounge, y'all. Find yourself a spouse. <laughs> do the brave thing. And actually go into the spaces where we've created time and effort to get to know you. Do the brave thing and sign up for a small group. Get into a small group to allow others to know your story. You can't complain that nobody knows you here if all you do is show up when worship has already started and leave right when the service finishes. If that's what you're doing and you're saying, well, nobody talked to me, you didn't give us a chance to talk to you, okay? You ran off before anybody could take a moment to have a conversation with you. Just saying, I felt like I need to say that, okay. But one day, after you've taken some brave steps, you might just become that friend of faith that other people need. And it's okay if you're in a season right now of needing others to pick you up, but that's just a season. If you truly go on this journey with Jesus, you will all of a sudden find yourself in a position of strength one day to be the hand holding the stretcher for somebody else, leading other people to that place of breakthrough too. It was a small group of believers that changed me and helped to position me so my faith could grow. Because I was once that man on the stretcher. But I'm so thankful that I have the honor and the privilege to be the hand holding the stretcher for other people. I'm so thankful I get to carry other people to a place where I can introduce them to Jesus. We all need friends of faith. But we should also all aim to become a friend of faith to others. Joe, you can come join me now.
if you want to truly become a friend of faith, then I want you to accept this challenge. Who can you pick up this week? Who could you pick up this week on your way to church? Who's that person that you know is feeling forgotten by God and others, and could you pick them up? Who could you pick up for small group? Who could you pick up for a coffee and take the time to get to know their story? Who could you pick up for the EW night this coming Friday where all the ladies are getting together? Who could you pick up on your way to Oxygen Youth? Who could you pick up for the young adults hangout? Who could you pick up and be a friend of faith to them? Because if you could remember those ones that are feeling forgotten by God and others, you might just be the one to help carry them to a place of breakthrough and position them for a life of freedom. If we think about those four friends that carried paralyzed Pete that day, they didn't think about their own experience with Jesus that day. They put their own preferences aside so that they could position one of their friends in the room. Somebody who really needed to be positioned for a life of freedom. And you know what Jesus did? Is he admired their faith. Their faith. Because it takes faith to say, church isn't about me. It's about the ones that don't yet know God. So I'm going to live my life getting more people in the room, more people to the feet of Jesus so that more people can experience this freedom and this healing and this forgiveness too. It takes faith to be the hand holding the stretcher for somebody else. It takes faith to pick them up. But we have all been called to make disciples. We have all been called to introduce more people to Jesus. And we might not know the ETA estimated time of arrival for the second coming of Jesus. But what I do know is that we need to be ready. And we need to be ready by inviting as many people in on this adventure as possible. We need to be ready. We need to be sharing the good news, sharing the hope of the world with as many people as possible, letting them know that freedom and hope and forgiveness and healing exists for them too. So who could you pick up this week? Maybe literally pick them up with your car or pick them up with some words of encouragement. Maybe pick them up with a genuine invitation where you say, I would love to see you there because an eternal adventure awaits all the believers. But I know that there's more people that need to be included on this journey. Amen.